Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Pastor George preaches about the book of Revelation and the first letter to the churches. This sermon was originally preached on January 8th, 2023 at Lingostown Life. So if you want to follow along, you can grab your Bible app, you can grab your Bible, you can grab your phone that might have the, uh, the Bible app, you've got a sermon outline in your, in your bulletin, you've got everything you need to follow along, take some notes, and read the scripture with us this morning. So we're picking up in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. And we're going to read the first of seven letters. We're going to, we're going to take one letter each week for the next seven weeks. And uh, <coughs> every, letter, every letter has something a little bit different to it. Every letter, though, has the same sort of the same, um, the same style to it. It tells you some good things, some bad things, and some promises so, um, so we're going to look for those each and every week. And again, as I said uh, earlier, we're not going to be able to go into everything, but we're going to hit on the major points. And so I want to invite you to join me as I read from, if, from Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Well, we're going we're to begin by doing a little, a little diction exercise. I assume that's the best way to, to phrase it. Um, repeat after me. Revelation. Revelation. Okay, I think you did pretty good. Please, as we go through this series, please don't say the word revelations, okay, with an S on the end. There is no S on the end, okay? It's just a pet peeve that I have, but whenever I hear it, it's, you know, it's like nails on the chalkboard kind of thing. So one more time. Very good, okay. Now, there are a lot of people when you, they hear about somebody going to read the book of Revelation, they get scared. Um, <laughs> some people think this is a really hard book to understand. Uh, there are some 
preachers out there who make all sorts of fancy things up for everything that they can dissect out of the book of Revelation. And a lot of it's just a lot of hooey, by the way. Um, the book of Revelation is easy to understand if you put the time in. And that's the key, okay? Because, you see, one of our biggest problems, and this doesn't just apply to people in church, this applies to people outside of church too, is we think we know what it says, but we've never actually read it. <laughs> Okay, and there are probably people, maybe even people among us this morning, who, who think they know what the book of Revelation says, but they've never read the book of Revelation because they're afraid or because they can't understand it. But if you're willing to put in the time to uh, understand the context and to whom it was written, it's really not that hard, at least in my opinion, Okay. So during this sermon series, we're going we're gonna to focus on the messages that are given to the disciples of Jesus who lived in the western region of what is today modern Turkey, what is known as Asia Minor, and it was an area that was controlled by the Roman Empire. And the seven churches can all trace their, their founding back to the Apostle Paul and the work that he did in the first church we're going to read about today, the church of Ephesus. Now, <clears throat> the, disciples, the disciples at this time are living under the Roman Empire. And I'm sorry, every time I read, say the word empire in this sermon, all I can think about is dum, dum, da dum, dum, da dum, right? I mean, that's what you think of when you hear the word empire. Uh, at least I do, okay? Maybe it's just that I've watched too much of Star Wars. Anyway, but the Roman Empire has to differentiate it from the other empire. The Roman Empire exercised such control over the aspect of everyday life that uh, that control often put the disciples of Jesus at odds with the empire, and as a result, the disciples were experiencing persecution. Y'all wonder where George Lucas got the idea of Star Wars from. <clears throat> Come on, laugh with me, please. <clears throat> so, this is the context in which we need to understand the book of Revelation, and specifically these letters that we're going to focus on over these next seven weeks. But listen, while the message was given to a specific people at a specific time and specific place, the message is just as relevant for us today as disciples in a church as it was nearly 2,000 years ago. Now, I want to start by, by talking about four main things that you need to understand when you open the book of Revelation, okay? And you just need to know these four things if you're going to understand the book of Revelation. And once you know these four things, it will help you to understand the whole book, okay? Number one is that the book is focused on Jesus, the book is focused on Jesus. From chapter 1 all the way to the end of the story, Jesus is the focus. 
okay? And if we take our eyes off of Jesus as the focus, we will miss what the true meaning and message of the book of Revelation is all about. Second thing is that the concepts of perseverance and overcoming are primary from beginning to end. We need to learn... We need to learn the lesson of perseverance and overcoming, and that's what's going to come out as we go through each of these seven letters. Uh, you'll find those words used quite often, and next week we're really going to talk, uh, we're going to talk a lot about this next week. And then the third thing, um, how many of you have ever tried to solve a puzzle, but you have to have a key not like a key, but, but some sort of a key to help you understand how to solve the puzzle, okay? Well, that's what the Old Testament is when you try and read the book of Revelation. You need to have some concept of, of things in the Old Testament to understand what, what John is writing about in the book of Revelation. The more we understand where it came from in the Old Testament, the more or the, the better we understand the message that's being portrayed in the book of Revelation. And the last part, and this is the hard part, this is a part that, that I think most people miss, and that is the whole idea of historical context. If you want to understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand the context in which it was written. In a few weeks, we're going to look at at one of, the, one of the letters that you probably at least have heard this, this statement where, where Jesus says that, you know, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, and so therefore I want to spew you out. Just when, when I get to that sermon, you want to wear a raincoat because I'm going to spew on you. Um, but, but do you know the context of where, where, that, where that line comes from? See, the city, the city that Jesus was writing to was, was being fed water by an aqueduct. And that water would come from far away into the city, and by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. It was fed by a mineral spring, so it really didn't taste very good. And so you got lukewarm mineral water, and you go, <clears throat> Have to understand the historical context if you want to understand the book of Revelation. All right, those four things will help us, okay? Now, as I said earlier, we can't unpack everything, so come to Bible study on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Okay, so let's get into this first letter, the letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, when you start reading this first letter, it's, it's like, these are all the things... These are all the things you would want Jesus to say about your church. Good things. Uh, okay, listen to this list. You're, you're hardworking, you persevere, you don't tolerate evil, you test the false prophets, you endure hardship, and you don't grow weary in all of it. Sounds good stuff, right? That's good stuff. And, and to me, it sounds like the Apostle Paul, when he started this church at Ephesus, Ephesus, he did a good job of creating good and faithful disciples of Jesus, and we can only hope that Jesus has good things to say about us as well. 
And, and, you know, if you stopped and think about it, maybe if we put this in contemporary language, we could think about Jesus saying something like this to us. Thank you for being willing to serve in the nursery. Thank you for taking your place in the pew or chair each and every Sunday. Thank you for having your daily quiet time where you read a verse of the Bible and pray. Thank you for giving, and thank you for occasionally posting a Bible verse on social media. They're all good things, right? They're all good things. And that's the point. That's the point that Jesus is coming to. Outwardly, outwardly, we are good at following through on these outward appearances. I mean, why am I wearing blue and red today? Anybody have any idea why I'm wearing blue and red? Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, support, I'm supporting the Buffalo Bills, okay? And, and DeMar Hamlin. I mean, and here's what I'm getting at, folks. When it comes to outward appearances, and, and, and we could talk a long time about this today, but, you know, Monday night when DeMar went down, nobody knew what to say, but everybody knew what we should do. Everybody, I mean, we live in a post-Christian world, and yet everybody knew what we should do. <laughs> and, and, and God bless Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live on Monday. He finally did what nobody else, or on Tuesday, he did what nobody else would do. He actually prayed. <laughs> Got to the end of the show, and he just said, folks, we're going to pray, and he started to pray. Here's the thing, though. We're good at outward appearances. But what's in here? <clears throat> See, this is the thing about all these letters. Jesus has something good to say, but then he pushes us just a little bit further. He challenges this church at Ephesus, and he says this to them. He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, that's from the, that's from the New Living Translation, and, and it, it really more fully and comprehensively tells us exactly what Jesus said in this statement. It's not just whether or not you love Jesus, it's do you love your neighbor? Jesus was trying to get this across to them, okay? Do you really love me, and do you really love one another? And it's almost as though Jesus is saying <clears throat> to the church at Ephesus and to us today, you do all the good things. You have all the outward appearances down, but where's the passion? Where's the passion? Now, let's, let's be honest for a moment, and let me, let me talk to some married people out here for a moment. Those of you who aren't married, just listen up, because maybe you'll learn something that'll help you someday when you do get married, okay? Um, when you first fall in love with somebody, you're full of passion, right? 
When you fall in love with somebody, you're filled with passion. You love the other person so deeply that all you want to do is spend time together to put the needs of the other person ahead of your own, and then reality sets in, kids come along, you grow comfortable with each other, and you know what happens? The passion leaks out. The passion leaks. You're still a couple. You still do all the couple things. If anybody asks you, you're still as happily married today as the day that you first fell in love with one another. But it's more of an outward expression within, without the inward fire that once burned brightly. Am I connecting with anybody out there? So the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, if passion leaks, how do we keep from losing the passion? If passion leaks, how do we keep from losing the passion? Well, as I was getting ready for the message, I, I found an article in a magazine that, uh, actually it's not a magazine, it's from a magazine, but I found it online. You know how that works. Anyway, uh, it had three points which I thought were perfect. You can find a, a link to it in the Bible app or, or on your, your sermon outline there. Um, but here's three things. I mean, these are, these are worth the price of admission today. Uh, first of all, we neglect the fuel. We neglect the fuel. Anybody ever tend the fire? You know, you make a nice fire, and, and the fire is wonderful. What happens to a fire if you don't throw some fuel on the fire? Come on, play with me here. Yeah, it goes out, right? So if you're tending to a fire, what do you have to keep doing? You have to keep, keep throwing some more fuel on the fire. So let me ask you this. What are you doing to fuel your passion for Jesus and for others? Where are you finding the fuel to keep the passion burning? Second thing. We oftentimes lose our passion because we get our focus on ourselves rather than on Jesus and on other people. And if we're honest, if we're honest, one of the reasons we go through the motions of the outward appearances is because of what we want people to say about us. So do you see how we get into this whole thing where it's not really about the outward appearance so much as what we want people to think about us. So a good thing to check when it comes to our passion is whether it is all focused on ourselves or whether it's really focused where it should be on Jesus and other people. And the third thing, and, and I read this in several places, and you got to think about this for a moment, but you, you make things too complicated. We really do. We make things too complicated. I mean, it's the nature, it's the nature of things to start off simple and grow complex. And Jesus' word to the church at Ephesus could be put this way. You have all the right beliefs. You have all the right policies. You have all the right standards. You have all the right values. You have the right vision statement. You've just made a little too more too complex. 
It's just too complex, just too complicated. It just comes down to one simple thing, love others. I mean, after all, wasn't that what Jesus told his disciples? By your love for one another, they will know that you love Jesus. And yet we have a way of making things so much more complicated than what they need to be. And when we make it more complex, the passion doesn't just leak. The passion pours out. It pours out because, because it can't stand complexity, okay? Uh, just think about this for a moment. Think about a startup organization. When a, when a company or a church is a startup, okay, there's a small group of people who have a combined passion about something, and suddenly something will just take off. And when it takes off, everybody gets involved, everybody thinks it's wonderful, and then suddenly the, the church or the, or the business, they think, well, we got to start adding on layers, we got to start adding people, we got to do this, we got to do this. And, and after a while, guess what happens? it starts to not be so good. And do you know why? Because those people, three, four, five, six layers out, they don't have the passion. They don't have the passion of those people who started it all. And the more complex we make it, well, the less it looks like what it was originally intended to be. <clears throat> and I wonder, I wonder if Jesus just doesn't look at the church today and say, folks, why have you made this so hard? <laughs> why have you made this so hard? And in making it so hard, do you recognize that you've lost your passion and because your passion wanes, the people who are on the outside looking in wonder if they can't find something that's passionate out there instead of in here. And that's why Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, it's time to stop and look around. It's time to stop and look inside and when you see that your faith has become more about the outward than the inward, then Jesus says to us, as he said to the church at Ephesus, it's time to repent. Now, there's a word that we have just made more complex than it's supposed to be. Okay, the word repent in Greek just simply means, that's all. Just turn around. That's it. Real simple. Turn around. Just what Jesus says in this passage. He says, you've forgotten your first love. Go back and find it. That's what repentance is all about. It's about going back and finding your first love. Do the things you did at first. You know, when couples come to me for marriage counseling, you know, well, it's really easy, you know. <laughs> What'd you do at first? When you first loved one another, what did you do? 
Well, we went on long walks and talked for hours. Good, go back and do that some more. <laughs> Did you have a passionate vision about what the future was going to be like together? Yeah. Where's that vision today? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I bet you used to put the needs of the other person above your own. Yeah. Start doing that again. When it comes to our faith, what were those first days of your faith like? My guess is they were a whole lot simpler than what they are today. I mean, when you first come to faith in Jesus, you, you, probably, you probably had one of these and you probably just started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading because you wanted to understand who this Jesus was that had changed your life. And more than likely, you probably talked to other people all the time about what faith meant what you were learning, what, what was going on in your life, what was going on in their life, how Jesus was, was, was speaking into your life. I bet the other thing, I bet the other thing was that you told people all about Jesus and what Jesus was doing in your life, and you told them about, let me tell you about this church that I've been going to and all the things that I've been learning, and, and you're just, go back to your first love. Do what you did at first. That's all we've got to remember. See, I told you the book of Revelation isn't that hard, is it? You can't neglect fueling your passion. You can't let this lay on the sideline. You can't just read one verse and let it go. You can't let it become about you. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus and other people because that's where what this is all about becomes reality. And don't make it any more complicated than loving one another. That's all you got to do. And if we do that, the world will beat a path to our door because we'll have the best thing in the whole wide world. Join me in a word of prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, Find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you, and may you go forth and love God and love others.